Suburbans. Uh, today we have a very, very special guest. Like all weeks we have special guests, but this week is a very, very special guest. Uh, Justin, I'm always doing this to you. No, you always forget always me. I just go with this, it. Man. I just go with it now. <laughs> at this point. My bad, man. My What's co-host, up? Justin Renfro's in the house like always. How what you is? doing, Justin? I'm good. Another good week. Uh, this episode will come to y'all in the middle of shutdown. We doing it the day before the shutdown. Day so. before. So, just boom. There. We we legally <laughs> here. Don't come get us, Governor Wolf. Yeah, that's it. Um, And the reason why I forgot about Justin is because we have a great guest in the studio today miss megan fuller fumer how you doing i'm good how are you i'm doing great um it's a pleasure to have you in the gym uh we've been needing some females to come through and and sit on the couch and share their stories with us um so it's a pleasure to have you um so let's get started with where you are from yeah, I'm from Morrisville, Pennsylvania. So Morrisville. Hey. Yeah, not too far from where Justin grew up and went to Pennsbury, all that stuff. You went to Pennsbury as well? Mm-hmm. Okay, we all have something in common. Yeah. Um, plus, I spent about two or three years in Morrisville myself. You know? Oh, man, I forgot you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple, couple, you know. So, uh, Morrisville in the house. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, you went to Pennsbury, mm-hmm. um, but you have a very very vast uh educational thing going on um and mostly through the arts mm-hmm. um i've read somewhere that you started dancing at the age of two yeah how how does that happen <laughs> so as my mom likes to tell it i used to be pretty shy when it came to being around other people but in the house i was always dancing singing all the disney movies all that stuff Um, So my mom put me in a few like Christmas pageants when I was a kid and then she tried putting me in dance classes at the dance academy to start out with and I didn't like not being with her so then she tried again the next year when I was three Um, and I went to Tony Short's dance studio for a hot second until I wanted to study more ballet training. I went to uh, the American Repertory Ballet in Princeton for a while. I actually did a few summers at the Stepping Stone here. Yeah. It wasn't Stepping it's Stone. Way. This way. Yeah. It's that way. It's that way. I went to Connect Dance Academy, and then I ended at uh, Body Language in Ewing. Right, cool. As far as high school goes. All right, so I getting in ballet, you did all that, but I really wanted to get in. What's your favorite stage of everything you did? So then okay. we could dive into that stage. So what's the favorite? New York traveling, being yeah. around here. What what's your favorite? I mean, I want to say the last four years okay. have really molded me into who I am now. It, started with touring oh my first tour i did while i was still in college i okay. toured with trek the musical um i was the only female swing so i was in charge of learning 34 roles in nine days Ooh. we opened in Tecton, alaska went to a bunch of places and then i toured with todrick hall um he created a show called straight out of oz So I was on the first tour of that, and while I was in rehearsals for that in L.A., I found out that I booked the first national tour of The Bodyguard, the musical, which was first national in the the U.S. It started out in the West End. Mm -hmm. They wanted to take it to Broadway. It never happened. But Deborah Cox started that and Judson Mills from um, Walker, Texas Ranger. Mm -hmm. And then I wound up getting injured there. 
at before the last week of the tour. I toured with the show for about a year and a half, and so Is I decided. Is that the shoulder? Shoulder, ankle, okay. all right side of the body, all pretty right. much. And was that from just night after night of having to perform? And yeah, and halfway through the tour, I took over as dance captain. So I was in charge of putting everybody into the show. We wound up losing our entire male ensemble. We lost half the female ensemble. So I would rehearse all day and then have to do my track at night. And I have one of the fe hardest female tracks. Right. So, you know, eight shows a week, a year and a half of that. And traveling on top of that, sometimes we would be a week in one city, Monday's our day off, and then we're flying to the next place. So right. there's really no break. Um, so I got my break afterwards when I got injured. And so I decided to focus more on TV film and had gotten my first spot um, supporting guest star on Law & Order SVU. Okay. Yeah, talk, talk about that Law & Order experience. That was crazy. So... Um, this is nuts, but a cousin of mine who was an amazing, amazing salsa player, he did everything. We were supposed to gig for the first time this one day, and a couple days before he wound up having a heart attack. Okay. 40 years old, died. At his funeral is when I got the email for this role. Yeah, so you right. kind of knew so you had to do that. I was like, oh shit, like I, it was wild because you go from feeling your lowest to your highest in about like two seconds and so then I went in for my first audition what it was for um, the Jonathan Strauss casting team and I did three scenes I got a call I actually that night after my audition got on a train and I did a master class at Pensbury okay. and then an hour after I left there I got the call that I got a call back and that I would be performing or doing the scenes for um, the producers and the director. And I didn't know that Mariska Hargitay was directing that episode. Okay. So I had to go in and um, they were like, your director, Mariska Hargitay. I was like, because, ah! <laughs> you know, I mean, every time you're home from school or anyone that watches SVU, like yeah, Mariska right, is right. SVU. So right, right. I was like, this is crazy. It's Olivia Benson in the flesh. Right. But, so you saw everybody. So know? I saw everybody. And so I go and I do all three scenes. And then she was like, are you a dancer? And I was like, yeah. She goes, I could tell. I was like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because <laughs> they have like there's this stigma against dancers trying to go into acting you okay. know what i mean especially when it comes to the crossover between musical theater and tv film there's yeah but it's, it's been done you know it's been yeah. done so much yeah. but you know it, it takes a while for people to be convinced that you're not going to be too corny or too animated or too fake mm -hmm. coming from musical theater into television right okay. so you know, I've taken a lot of time to... I got into two acting studios in New York after I was touring, and I put a lot of focus into working just on on-camera acting. So when Mariska said all that, it was really nice. And the next day, I found out that I got the role. So then I had a fitting that week and everything. It was so very make fast. Sure, let everybody know in the cameras what episode, what season. Yeah, I was gonna so ask you. All, like, yeah, yeah, was it was it a reoccurring rule? It or? was a one episode. Okay. It was season twenty one. So it was last year. It aired January sixteenth last year. It's season twenty one, episode eleven, called "She Paints with Vengeance." Okay, she paints right. with vengeance. Yeah, that's what it was. And I played Ariana Lopez. Right. So. <laughs> Do you find uh, the process of being a dancer 
different than acting or do for you, sure yeah all right because for me i was in uh i was an extra in creed mm -hmm. um and i was like i would rather get punched in the face than do this again because <laughs> you you have to do every scene a million times change the cameras yeah. do it again um and i guess when you're dancing the, the practice is uh, where you have to do the routine and then you just got to hit it that one time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because both are exhausting in their own way. Mm -hmm. You know, it, when it came to rehearsing for, like, the bodyguard, we have four weeks of rehearsal in New York, working 10 to 6 with one day off, but the choreography was hard. Mm -hmm. The shit we were doing in that show, it, it was tough. Right. And then going off to do that eight times a week, you know, it, it takes a toll on you. Um, and like you said, it's live, so you do it right yeah. then and there, yeah. you mess up, you go down, that's it. There's yeah, no yeah, editing, yeah. you know? So, but then when it comes to TV film, I had four days on set. My longest day, I was there from like 6 a.m. to almost 7 at night. And, you know, it is, it, it's, they, I got, I, I got really lucky because everyone was so cool. Everyone was so nice. They took care of us. Right, right, right. You know, it's just long days. Yeah. So it's just keeping the adrenaline going and having to get into it and staying have, uh, present. Good meals. Lunch was great. <laughs> oh my God. Craft was amazing. Yeah. The people were good. And like, even, all of the series regulars, Ice T, Kelly, all of them, they were just so nice. Right, right. And especially Jamie um, Hyder, who was the newest of the team. Mm -hmm. You know, she had just become a reoccurring last season. Sure. Um, so she was the youngest detective. She was brand new. And she was really nice about saying like, hey, Marishka says this, you know, do this. You, you kind right. of figure out how to speak Marishka after time. So, right. so you know, I lucked out and even Ice-T comes in and he's just clowning. Everyone had such a great energy. So right. it was cool. really cool. Yeah, nice. Do you have a, a manager? Like, how do you find these roles? Like, uh, what's the process in the being... Uh, so famous. <laughs> how'd, you, how'd you get yeah. there? Um, so when I first started out in New York, I had an agent and that just didn't really work for me. It was a big agency. Um, and when you're in a situation like that, if you're not the one making them tens of millions and yeah, thousands of dollars, yeah. right. I mean, they were representing Neil Patrick Harris, Angela Lansbury, um, people from Orange is the New Black. Like it was a it was a big agency. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I didn't get to get all the opportunities. And also at the time, they wanted me to take certain classes and do certain things. And I was just out of college. I didn't have money. Right. I was in the city grinding. I didn't have mommy and daddy paying for a class or whatever. And I'll, to be honest, a lot of the clientele, like they had help or they were living home. You know, right, right, it was right. different. Um, so after that didn't work out, I got a manager and I've been with him ever since. So I've been with him for about four years now. Um, but the thing is, is about musical theater, all the material is online. You know, you can look on broadwayworld.com, playbill.com, backstage, you name it, so you can find these I auditions. I can learn Hamilton if I want to. I mean, you can watch videos on YouTube. <laughs> 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 Tutorials. But as far as, like, getting you the audition, you oh, know, right, you right, can right, look right. online. I, I understand. Yeah. Um, so pretty much what you're trying to say is that you don't need that middleman as much as you used to. Right. You uh. know, with musical theater, you need 
uh, you don't need the middleman necessarily. Like, you could get into certain rooms and it'd be okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with TV film, you, you got to know someone. Yeah. Or you need to be paying for these classes where you're in with all the top casting directors and whatever right, else. Right, right. You know, it, it's just a different world. Right. It's a little bit so, talk to me a little bit. I read somewhere straight out of Oz and Netflix. So, talk yeah. to me what, what came out of that first tour and all that. So, Todrick Hall is a big YouTube artist. He started out on YouTube. Now he's recording artists. I mean, you can see him on Drag Race. He's produced and directed some of Taylor Swift's videos. I mean, he's won a VMA now. And, like, he's worked his way up just from YouTube. Um, and so... He felt like he was kind of hitting rock bottom at one point in his career. He was signed with Scooter Braun, who, you know, has is with uh, Ariana Drake Grande. Talks about him all the time. Yeah, I mean, Ariana Grande signed with him, Demi Lovato, Justin, Kanye, Usher, all of them. So, Todrick was signed with him. They had a bit of a falling out, and so he decided to write a musical about his life told through the story of The Wizard of Oz in kind of like a Lin-Manuel style. Mm -hmm. And the music is brilliant. If you can watch the visual album, the visual album is just like brilliant. Half the shit he did out of his garage, you would never believe it. Um, okay. So the visual album came out, he released it. Then he decided he wanted to take it on tour as a live show. So I did that. I was one of his dancers for that. And they did a documentary about the tour. So um, Catherine Fairfax Wright, she is incredible. She actually, she did a documentary about uh, the first openly gay man in Uganda. Mm. It's called Call Me Kuchu, I believe. Um, and we watched it on the tour bus and we were all sobbing. And one of the guys who was able to escape lives in Boston now and he came to our show. We got mm. to meet him. But luckily we had her to film everything that was going right. on from the rehearsal right. process to the end so it became a documentary called behind the curtain it's on netflix you can get it on okay. amazon prime itunes all that stuff so, so you're in that yeah okay yeah, well, is it in there check that out I yeah see, I, didn't, I saw i knew something with that but, so. <laughs> yeah got you here got that figured out i'm gonna have to check yeah, that out it was a, it was a beautiful experience and you know he also was so brilliant in touching on certain things that were so relevant like you know we were having a lot of shootings at the time we had just had the orlando pulse shooting you know we had yeah. a bunch of shootings happen that time he also had a friend because he's from dallas area originally she was a black female cop and she was shot and you know he wrote a whole song called water guns talking about police brutality mm -hmm. and all of these shootings and how to move past yeah. it and then they had the guy in dallas that was where they had the retired army guy that actually started taking up the cops mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you know it, he <laughs> has this beautiful way of taking so much tumultuous toxic energy and creating something that truly brings people together mm -hmm. like i'll never forget when we were in dallas we were performing at a theater that was like two thousand people every single person stood up holding hands if they didn't know the words it was fine they were mouthing what they knew and everyone was just looking at each other in solidarity right. and I, I was crying on stage. I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> help it. And to this day that's one of the most beautiful moments of my entire life to see. Right, right. Yeah. You know? Um, so you're bumping shoulders with all these people and 
uh, Hollywood, <laughs> New York, <laughs> you know, Miami, whatever. Do you have, like, uh, you know, someone that you look up to, someone that uh, inspires you? It doesn't have to be famous, you know, somebody that, like, is just part of, you know, helping you with your growth. Um, I mean, there's so many. I've been very fortunate to work with um, a lot of great people on my journey to where I am. And, you know, even working with people like Mershka and Deborah Cox and even a woman named Michelle Rack, you know, she I'd done some private lessons and had assisted her with some master classes and stuff. And these women, they're the epitome of fighting to do it all. You know, it, even the way, I mean, Mariska took a second to step aside and be on the phone with her kids because one of them didn't want to go to gymnastics practice. And she was like, I'm not going to pay for it. If you're not going to go, I'm not paying for it. But right. as I'm paying for it, you're going to go. I'm not raising any brats. Right. And to hear the highest paid woman on television, she makes like $500,000 an episode. Yeah. Every two episodes, she's making a million dollars. And my episode alone, she was producer, director, and star. Right. To see someone like that still have a family and everything else, like yeah. she's paving she's the way. Real, you know? yeah. yeah, and even with Deborah, I mean, she's doing six out of the eight shows a week because you know I was singing Whitney Houston yeah. eight times. So yeah. you know she would have understudies or standbys go on for her twice a week, but she would do the Sunday matinee. She would take the next flight out back home to Miami, be with her kids for her day off, and fly to the next city. Um, talking about the Whitney Houston thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, who who wrote that song? I will always love you. Do you know? Dolly. Uh, was Dolly. it Dolly Parton or was it David Foster? Which mm. one? I believe it was Dolly Parton. Okay, I think David Foster had something to do with the movie. He, he might have. Like yeah. That. All right, that was just a question I was hoping that you can answer. Because I don't know, is one of the two... I believe uh, it was Dolly Parton, yeah. but I could be wrong. I, I know that she originally... No, no, yeah, I think she did write it. I think I, I seen somewhere and where then, like she heard Whitney's version and she like went crazy. Right. Right, yeah. right. So, like, Tim got to use rub shoulders with all these people. So, like, what's next? What's happening now? Well, you know, it's COVID, so I like to say we're in the Hustle 19 besides, right besides now. Besides being on a Young Black Suburban podcast. Yes! Yeah, this is like the no, highlight. This, is, this <laughs> is the highlight right here. No, I mean, I've gotten a few self-tape requests. Um, I recently had a self-tape request for Chicago Fire, cool. but then that shut down because someone tested positive. Right. And... I had gotten another request for FBI, and actually before the shutdown, I had had a final callback for FBI. And this is all um, Dick Wolf's shows. It's the same casting as Law & Order. So for me to know that throughout all of this, I'm still being considered for guest star spots and whatever, I mean, it's a blessing. As far as theater goes, I mean... Yeah. Shut down. Yeah. So I asked. I actually talked to Todrick a couple of days ago. He said that he might need me next year to dance if everything comes back and running. Um, so I don't know. I mean, right now I'm trying to just survive. You know, I had to leave New York because I'm not in a place financially where I can still right, right. try to survive out there. And that's uh, part of being a starving artist a little bit. Right. You know. You know um, Chasing the dream. If you don't work, you don't eat. And exactly. During COVID, it's really hard to work. Right. <laughs> Jeffrey Owens, I think about him a lot during this time because 
you know, he went from being a star on the Cosby show to working at Trader Joe's. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I have no shame in it. And why should we have shame? Right Right now, I'm working at Starbucks because I need health benefits. They have great health benefits. So I'm doing that. I'm teaching online. I'm teaching at my old dance studio. I'm teaching for certain conventions. You know, I'm doing what I can through injuries, through COVID, everything else. And she has a lot of talents. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I read somewhere that you were a puppeteer. I had to do puppeteer work on Shrek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you learn how to hold puppets or how did that work? We learned work? everything. I mean, we learned everything from maneuvering smaller puppets, certain mechanical things to working the entire dragon. You remember the dragon from the right, movie? Right, 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 it was right. a giant puppet. It was different on Broadway. By the time we went on the tour, we did the UK version okay. of the show. So we had a dragon that was maneuvered by four different people. So you had one guy at the front that was working the mouth and the eyes the eyes lit up they blinked mm-hmm. all that stuff they had to blink on certain counts right, and all right, that right. stuff then you had a middle man who would work the wings so that she could fly do whatever you had another person in the back that just held more of the body weight and then you would have me sometimes on the tail and again if it had to sit it's knowing where to crouch down knowing different things to do and we had different songs with different puppets that we needed to use and then even Gingy the gingerbread man he was a puppet so if there was a chance that I ever had to go on for the person that played Gingy I had to know how to maneuver all the mechanics of that puppet and stuff too cool man I never would even thought that was how it went down (laughs) so yeah uh I see, I've been looking at some things, I see you did a lot of local work, performed in some theaters. What would you say biggest theater and proudest or best moment in the theater so far? So far in theater, I mean, I would have to say Bodyguard. I became the dance captain of a first national tour. I was responsible for so much. Our creative team was in London. So when it came to running auditions and stuff, I mean, they flew me back and forth so that I could run auditions in Vegas, in New York. I was in charge of putting everybody in the show. I was in charge of maintaining the show. I was swung out of the show about once a week so that I could take notes and make sure everyone's on their mark, on the count, whatever it is. I was in charge of the safety of others because we did some crazy lifts mm-hmm. and tricks. Yeah. So, you know, if the guys so were, were doing like right, top to bottom person. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And okay. like, you know, even if guys weren't doing some lifts right, you saw me with the smallest girl like yeah. interrupt showing them how to do these lifts. It was right, 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 it was right, crazy right. stuff. So where you what's your biggest thing locally you think you Locally. Um, well, when we say local, we mean this Marshall area. Okay, because I mean, the regional theater I worked at in Pennsylvania, I worked at in Lancaster. It's called the Fulton Theater. That was an equity theater. It's pretty reputable in the theater community. So that was cool for me. And Mm. I did a show called The Full Monty there. And I got to be in this show with a bunch of Broadway vets that I looked up to. So that was a cool experience for me. And as far as like Morrisville goes, when I remember um, my, I guess it was after my senior year, 
of high school. I was about to be a freshman in college. I did one of the children's theater shows at Bucks County Playhouse. And I was the lead in that. It was like the enchantment of Beauty and the Beast. It wasn't Beauty and the Beast, but I played Belle in that. And then, um, shoot, I guess, yeah. I don't know. I think that might have been it. And then we did like the... um, drama fest we would do the competitions where you got to take one axe to bucks county playhouse and stuff and i won some awards there and stuff too um and so keeping it local and our show being called the young black suburban (laughs) uh how was it you know growing up for you being a young brown female i don't want to know because I, I don't want to yeah, tell us all your nationality yeah real real (laughs) quick because you came in to the gym the other day and I was like, I didn't even recognize you because before, I felt like your tone was a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little bit hotter outside the sun. You know, some people's skin switch yeah. up a little bit. I didn't even Get recognize crispy. you. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, I, and, and I don't want to, you know, offend anybody or anything. Yeah. And like Justin said, you can explain your ethnicity. Yeah, um, so my mom's Puerto Rican okay. and then my dad's Irish German. Okay. So for me growing up, it was tough. You know, my older brother has a different father than I do. Okay. So he is full Hispanic. And obviously, my mom's full Puerto Rican. So, growing up, you know, I had a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't as ostracized or um, discriminated against as my mom and my older brother were. Mm-hmm. So, I saw that happening around right, me. Right. I mean, when I was a baby, my mom was taking me to the grocery store, and this woman comes up to her and she's like, Oh my God, what a cute little baby. Are you the nanny? Mm-hmm. Like, I was this little white ginger baby with a Hispanic mom. And, of course, that's what they assume. They're not going to assume that I came out of her, especially because I was early 90s. I was born in 92. So. Young woman. Exactly. So, you know, it, it, it didn't really hit me. It didn't hit me personally until I got a little older. My older brother had gone through some things in elementary school. I wound up with some of the same teachers. And once they found out I came from that brother and that mom that they used to give a hard time to, then they started treating me differently. Mm. It wasn't until they found that out that I was treated differently. Right. And then, you know, once I got to high school, I remember my freshman year of high school, this kid found out I was Puerto Rican and every day he would call me a spick. He would tell me to go cross the border. He'd tell me whatever. I'm like, bro, first of all, Puerto Rico is a part of America. <laughs> Let's have a geography <laughs> lesson, okay? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, it, I I feel wrong speaking on it too because you know, I'm halfway and it's hard. I know my privilege. I wrote a whole poem of it on my website. I know my privilege and I know where I stand and I have cousins that are half Jamaican, half Puerto Rican, half African, half Puerto Rican, half African, half German. Like, you know, my whole family has all different colors and all different sexual orientations. I have cousins that are gay, bi, trans, everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I was raised in this community. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Can I call my phone right now? Um, (laughs) so, like... I grew up in this community that had everything, and so I was able to live in this mindset of accepting everybody, you know, and to grow up and see that's not how the world works, and, you know, to get looked at differently. I remember when I was in high school, and I was 
pushing my little cousin around at that park right by Valley Day. Yeah, I remember and that park. Yeah, so I'm with my little cousin. I'm strolling her around. I must have been like 16. And these ladies are throwing me shade, probably thinking I was 16 and pregnant. Yeah, got pregnant with yeah. some black guy pulling, pushing around my baby. And yeah. so I was like, no, that's my cousin. Right, and right, why right. should that be abnormal? Yeah. I mean, America claims to be the melting pot, salad bowl, whatever is politically correct these days. Yeah. My family is what America claims to be, yet we're looked at differently. Yeah. Um. Well, to give us some perspective <laughs> on... Uh, oh, it, no, no, no. no. <laughs> give us some well, perspective on the, uh, you know, the election that just passed and stuff. You know, Tim's shirt. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about she, it a little she bit. She wasn't... <laughs> Okay, so I am happy that Trump is gone. I will say that. Yeah. Was Biden and Kamala? Kamala. My first choice? No. <laughs> she was not. Um, but I'm happy that we're seeing this new wave. And I'm happy that even though she wouldn't be my first choice as far as a colored woman representing our country, I am happy to see a colored woman be in such a high place because i think that representation is key i think that it is so important for young girls to see this strong black woman as a vice president Definitely. and i think it's so important that in all of these positions of power that you can that every young child no matter what race sexual orientation anything they can see someone and say, wow, I can be that one day. Because we didn't really have that growing up. You know, I think it's just starting to be more of a thing. I think we're just now seeing the importance of it. Yeah. So, you know, as far as the most recent election, no, they weren't my first choice. Tulsi Gabbard 2020, but... <laughs> <laughs> There's always 2024, you know? I mean, I don't know. It, You know, it would be nice... My ideal team would have been Bernie and Tulsi. I don't know that he would have picked her VP. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know if they really. I don't think they align. I I don't know, but anyway. (laughs) 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 Anyway, um, so you know, we we touched on all of that and and going to Pensbury, and then you went to uh, Mount Clare State, Mm -hmm. and. What did it come loud? How do you say it? Summa cum laude. Yeah, yeah cum laude. Yeah, I wound up. So I did not do good in high school. I will preface by saying I did not do good in high school. Right. <laughs> Math was not my subject. And it was one of those things that if I felt like it wasn't benefiting my future, I couldn't focus. Mm-hmm. You know, I, so by the time I got into Montclair, I was accepted on the spot for performing, which was awesome. You had to go to the audition, everything. I got accepted at my audition. Uh, but I had to take those remedial math courses to stay in the university the first semester because with the BFA, we didn't have to take science or math. But I had to take math because that was the only way I was staying there. But I worked really hard. It was something I was really passionate about and wound up graduating in the National Honors Collegiate Society. So break down what BFA is because I'm sure a lot of people at home don't know what that is. Yeah, so... Bachelor of Fine Arts degree Ooh, in musical theater. Yeah. <laughs> toss, toss. <laughs> uh, so, no, I got my degree in three years. They let me take a leave my junior year to go tour with Shrek. And so then that summer, I worked summer, fall, winter, spring so that I could still graduate on time. 
How many uh, people graduate with a BFA? Like, how many people were in your class? We graduated with 13. 13 people? We They only accepted 22. Um, and then some mm. people weren't kicked out. Some people <laughs> chose a different path. Right. Some people, college just wasn't for them. I mean, we had one guy that was only in our class for two weeks and then was like, I want to be a music producer. And we're like... Okay, bye, Josh. Like, right, right. that was that. <laughs> so, you know, it just depends. Um, so, and some people, you know, switch classes. We had other people that had done a few Broadway shows and decided to, like, stay a little later, you know. Our school was really great about allowing us to have the opportunity to audition and stuff as long as it didn't get in the way of our education, right. which I feel is very important. I mean, any actor will tell you 80% of your career is auditioning. Mm-hmm. 20% you're actually performing. So, you know, having that opportunity to do all these things and for them to help us out so that we could really get a sense of what we were facing, you know, that was, that was a blessing. Right. Cool. Um, so I took a little sneak peek at your blog. Um, it is very intricate. Um, there's a lot going on there. Um, how did you get into blogging and actually uh, to me it's like you're sharing your thoughts and and, and stuff like that uh what got you into doing it to that extent so after bodyguard and my injury and everything else um i was on workers compensation i can't talk too much because i'm still in the middle of the lawsuit with it no it's all good (laughs) it's all good um but i found that a lot of people that were supposed to be helping me and were involved in my case didn't actually know what went into performing i mean the person that was in charge of my case initially was trying to compare me to a construction worker saying that they got injured on a job and then taking another job and you're probably more like an athlete yeah for sure you know i mean espn has done plenty of studies on it they did studies on dancers that are lion king on broadway in comparison to an nba player Mm -hmm. they do triple the work from what that nba player does on the court and get paid yeah uh break dancing Breakdancing just got uh, considered yeah, an Olympic sport. Yeah, it honestly is. That, yeah. No, it truly is. I mean, I've done some breakdancing stuff and whatever, but, like, that is tough. Man. You have to have the core strength of it. Well, it was pretty much already in gymnastics, you know. They were yeah. already doing that with their floor routines and Most stuff. Most of my friends that so. were gymnasts went into breakdancing or they have the crossover there. So, right. you know, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I found that a lot of people that were supposed to be helping me didn't really understand what it took to do my job and what it took for me to even get there that happened so i decided to write my story but in second person so a lot of people don't write in second person there's a few books here and there's some redhead or something Uh, (laughs) (laughs) who is this person (laughs) I don't know. Um, uh, and, but the the magic about that is that it does make you guess, is this fictional or is it uh It's real? all real. It's all um, my story. Right. But yeah. you don't talk about it in the first person. No, I talk about it. So in writing it in second person, it forces the reader to put themselves in that position. You know, I say you get up at 530, you walk down the store and as you're reading that, you're like, you, you, you. And then like, I, okay, so this is what I'm doing. This is what this person's doing. And now it forces you to 
be in that person's shoes and that's why I call the blog in our shoes. Yeah, <laughs> it does, but you know, a lot of people and I had friends that even were in the industry, maybe they were in the tech side of the industry, they had no idea how non-equity and equity worked mm-hmm. as far as actors goes cuz crew members are non-union and have their union they have IATSE right I was going to ask you if you were in the union so I am I'm a part of the actors equity association and but when you're not in the actors equity association and you try to go to an equity dance call like bodyguard was Mm -hmm. there's no guarantee that you're going to be seen right you get up at 4 a.m whatever you get your name on this unofficial list and if they decide to honor the list I mean I was lucky that three girls didn't show up that's the only reason I got seen had those three girls been there, mm. I would have never got seen. I would have mm. never been on the tour. I would have never got my card. And I'd still be grinding. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, it is. And it, it's just so tough. I mean, the industry, you can't take things so personally all the time. Because a lot of times, it could be something like that. It could be... I mean, I've heard of directors not hiring certain actors because that girl looked too much like their ex-girlfriend and he didn't want to be reminded of his ex-girlfriend, even though she was better than the other girl that got it. Right. You know, where sometimes if you're doing a replacement contract, say, say Aladdin on Broadway is looking for a new dancer. You could be the best dancer in that room, but if you don't fit that previous dancer's costume, they might not hire you because they might not have the time to do all these alterations. So they're looking for someone who's 5'7", with certain waist, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many things that are out of your control. And it's hard to remind yourself of that sometimes. So, uh, with that, don't you think that uh, it would be a great approach if a lot of actors and actresses took that into their own hands and just started putting out their own content yeah. and doing their own shows? One of my favorite shows is uh, Shit's Creek. I don't know. If you I love Shit's Creek so much. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't. It's Daniel. Dan Levy. Yeah. Dan Le- yeah, and and his father and Eugene Levy, a, a couple, Hera. a couple of other family members work on the show. All of um, them do. It's Eugene, Sarah, and Dan. Dan created it. And, Everyone except for their mom. Right, and it's like they put the show together themselves, yeah. and and they didn't really need anyone. Mm-hmm. I think we should get the Megan, <laughs> the Megan Fulmer show Megan out there. And it's yeah. the same thing that we're doing with the podcast. You know, we. Could, I started writing know. a pilot when quarantine started. You know, it's something I've always loved writing. It's something I'm passionate about. But, you know, I think. I think people were hesitant before just because they were too busy to, to be honest. I feel I've had so many friends that have wanted to create and do so much, but they weren't in a place financially where they can be taking off of their restaurant job to sit there for hours and write, you know? But then I had other friends that they had gotten a few commercials and TV gigs, and now they have these residuals coming in, and they're like, oh, I can take some time off and focus on what I want to do, you know? It's hard. It's hard to find that balance. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we see a lot more of it because of COVID. I think that's... A blessing in disguise that came yeah. out of all this situation but you know down the line when, when you uh, look at your blog um, you talk a lot about positivity mm-hmm. um, being positive uh, and what I took from that is that that's something that you actively try to make a part of your life mm-hmm. um, what do you do to keep yourself centered outside of your job in in China hustle and bustle what is your your meditation <laughs> i have to say first of all therapy is a beautiful thing i am not 
opposed to therapy, I started therapy again. I had gone to therapy, like, my second year of living in New York. Um, You know, it's all about Mm -hmm. the people you surround yourself with. It's Mm -hmm. taking time to yourself, knowing when you need to say no. I think when you're first starting out as an artist, an athlete, or whatever, it's hard to turn down opportunities. Mm -hmm. You have this mentality where it's like, you got to say yes to everything. Yeah. But then you get to a point where you got to learn how to say no yeah. to protect your spirit, to protect your body, everything. Those boundaries are important. Boundaries are key. I yeah. think boundaries, I think you're finding the right music to listen to. And also, you know, there was a study that said you are the five people you follow on social media. Mm-hmm. And one of the, or you are the five closest people that you have in your life. And one of those is social media. So think about the four people you spend the most time with and then think about your social media and what you're following. And that's what consumes you. Yeah. You know, there's times where I found I was following way too many negative pages or, you know, whatever else. You got to filter. You got to filter some of that out. But I think the biggest thing is knowing what you need to do to take care of yourself and being able to set boundaries in order to protect yourself. Right, right. You it's know. important with everything that you do in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, we are getting close. I'm, I'm sad <laughs> that we're getting close because you have so much that you want to say. I mean, that, that you have said and that we probably have more to contribute. Um, we're going to have to have you back. Yeah, yeah I love that. Definitely. Um, do you have anything that you would like to contribute to You know what we've been talking about? Well, I mean, on that last note, And for young performers or anybody that's just trying to make it, I had this mentor that the first time I ever met him was in Bristol in this little area Mm -hmm. because I was doing the summer camp. Mm -hmm. And he looked at all of us and said, you're all soup. You're Campbell, you're Progresso, you're Lipton, whatever. What is your secret recipe? What is it about you that's going to make me want to buy your soup? What is your brand? Mm -hmm. You know, what makes us stand out what makes us us what how do we protect ourselves how do we protect the beauty that is us and you know you take that to every audition you take that to every job you take that when you go home at night you know it's just finding what makes you you and protecting it and nurturing it and evolving with that you know so I think that's something I tell all of my students and I always give credit Jeffrey doing marks he was the one that said it and you know, as cheesy as it could sound or whatever, I think it's just such an important lesson to take with you. All right. One question I didn't ask before we... Uh, I did read that you did impressions, too. <laughs> who, do you, who do you want? <laughs> who do you have? Let's, let's, yeah, let's get, you have? Oh my let's God. get three. We got time for three? Okay. All right, oh go. my God, Pina! <laughs> or you, you could translate Griffin. that to the yeah. nanny, like, ah! Um... Oh my God, Mr. Chef! <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Um, That's a good one. And then I do my Tony Braxton. Um, <clears throat> no, I can't stop thinking about all the love that you gave to me. Oh <laughs> uh, wait, what is it? Oh shit! How'd it go? Oh, I can't stop thinking about. How could you love me then leave? No, I can't get you out of my mind. God knows how hard I've tried. Ah, <laughs> good job. All right, so why don't you tell the people where they can find Miss Megan Fulmer? 
Okay, y'all ready? Got a pen? Got a pen? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's Meg underscore Fulms. So it's M-E-G underscore F-U-L-M-S on the Instagrams. It's Megan underscore Elise underscore Fulmer on Twitter. Don't use it that much, though, to be honest. Um, and then MeganEliseFulmer.com. And we'll have all that on the show. Yeah. We'll send it to all, all that stuff. All right. Thank that's you guys a, for having me. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. This is the Young Thank Black you. Suburbans.